Hello and welcome to The Prime Actor with me, Rhiannon Mosson. And me, Maddie Ann Holt. In The Prime Actor, we bring you an all-access pass to the world of acting, singing, dance, musical theatre and all that's in between. The Prime Actor is sponsored by the Anna Fiorentini Theatre and Film School, an award-winning part-time drama school. They have branches all over London and their sister company is Stage in the City. Have a look out for all their amazing online content over lockdown. In The Prime Actor, we pool our knowledge, share our skills and tackle a topic every Friday that will put you in the know about the world of acting. Today, to mark what would have been the start of the festival, we're talking all about the Edinburgh Festival Fringe, and we are joined by comedy producer Tamara Cowan. Tamara has worked in comedy for over a decade, starting as a flyer in Edinburgh to now co-producer of the Musical Comedy Awards and producer and co-founder of Strip Light Productions. Hi, Tamara. Hello. Um, thank you for having me. Thanks for it's that word. Flyer made me. Got a little bit cold. <laughs> I think it was um, it was when um, I remembered flyers, which was when I sort of realised that the Edinburgh Fringe was going to be cancelled. Because so I just remembered, I was like, "How do you sell a show without all these like sort of like yes. little teenagers running around shouting at them?" It's just oh, like that's God. that's not happening. No, so. Ree, you've never been to the Fringe. No, I have to give a full disclosure that I will not be able to offer as much as my usual wisdom to this podcast because uh, I, yeah, I've never been and I hear how wonderful it is every single year, but I get scared. But I yeah. think this is quite good because you're, you can be the, the punter, Tamara, mm. you're the producer creative extraordinaire and I'll be the performer so there we go we've got three we different all, yeah yeah all the de- demographics the whole demographics so yeah I should have been on a train or probably a plane yesterday I'm to be honest with you not sad that I'm not <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's it's just such an undertaking isn't mm. it yeah uh, from every and I think from a punter's point of view they're like this is the best most fun ever um yeah. 700 shows a day just yeah but i think tamara also has that opinion am i right tamara that you think <sighs> is it your favorite month of the year it's my favorite and literally just like the worst month of the year it's like okay I'm, i think i'm a sadist or something like i just i like i love it and hate it in equal measures um Actually, I was saying to one of like my clients the other day, was it's like this week can we just have a phone call and just talk about everything that is horrible and stressful <laughs> and like just sort of torturous about the month because I'm just really scared that I'm going to spend this whole month just thinking about like all the nice like little social events and all the successful shows and not thinking about trudging up and down Edinburgh Hills in the pouring rain, like carrying like your body weight in paper. Oh, I'll like give you scream. more if you want more. I'll give you negative. I was going to say, I think Maddie, Maddie can offer this, this if you want to call her once a day, no probably. I'm here. I could, do use that. I could do that service for you. <laughs> and but, so you've been, you've been um, your uh, co-producer of the Musical Comedy Awards. How long have you been doing that for? Um, so I've been doing that for about 10 years. So I, did, I went up to the Edinburgh Fringe Flyering in 2006 um, and then again in 2007, because I just loved it. Like I went to the Edinburgh Fringe because actually I wanted to be an actress and I was like, mm-hmm. I'll go up to Edinburgh and I'll hang around these venues and I'm gonna be discovered by a wonderful director. <laughs> um, 
and um, I just ended up just hanging out and having a right laugh with like all these brilliant comedians and like seeing loads of comedy. So in fact, the next year, and the next year, I met the guy who founded Musical Comedy Awards, and so we ended up just sort of like I came on as an assistant, and then like we kind of have built it like over ten years as a sort of passion project. Like I think with comedy you can't sort of go well it's the same as acting isn't it you can't go in in any capacity on a wage which is a ridiculous thing but like you have to like I mean I've I've worked in sort of corporate property for years alongside the musical comedy awards and then finally sort of was able to build up enough work to justify leaving it um which actually I'm very grateful because in the overlap between having a proper job and being full-time in comedy um, I work for the wonderful Anna Fiorentini um, company. Um, yes, you did. As my, you did as my little side side. I love hustle. that. That's like you. You still refer to the other job as your proper job, whereas <laughs> I know Tamara is extremely <laughs> su- successful at what she does, and it is a proper job. Yeah. <laughs> so um, you've done you've done over ten fringes then. This would have been my thirteenth. Oh God, how? Well, that's why it didn't yeah, happen. Yeah, I know. I. I Looked at, oh, yeah. I worked out yesterday and I was just like, oh, God, I've caused the coronavirus. I feel terrible yeah. for it. <laughs> it was a really it was really strange, I think, when because it, it the week when Corona was like becoming a thing. I'm talking mm. it like it's like a fad. But, but when it became a thing on trend, <laughs> we it was the week where they had the end of that week was the early bird discount deadline. Yeah. And so, um, and it's it's not a huge, huge saving. It's something like so for those for people who are listening who who've never done the fringe, there's all sort. Well, actually, tomorrow I'll let you talk about it. So that we've got all the different kinds of venues, right? We've got yeah, festival. Yeah. So like the way that the Edinburgh Fringe Year works is that a lot of acts will start writing their shows from the train journey back from Edinburgh. So like in 2019, people will start writing their shows in on the train journey back for 2020. And then from sort of like late 2019, the venues started going out to tender. So people started applying, I guess, um, do you reckon, Maddie, that it's about maybe November time that they start opening yeah, up there? I guess, I swear it gets books. earlier. Yeah, yeah and you've got like, November. you've got your big four that are like the ones that cost money, but they've got all the full, like the, the tech and the spec and the marketing behind them and stuff. Um, and nice rooms and then you've also then you've got a few venues that are kind of like they're a bit cheaper but that you know you sort of maybe you have to do a bit more yourself and then you've got the free fringe which is just like you're basically just given a room underneath a pub somewhere and you don't really get a say of where it is and you don't know whether you're going to have lighting or sound and but you only pay 20 quid so it's fine um and so and you kind of have to kind of make make do and mend yourself yeah um so those are the sort of like the three choices you've got are there, do you know of any other sort yeah, of no, newer that's, models? Uh, the, the, and then you, yeah absolutely no and I've always been uh quite I think because my so this would have been my fifth fringe with a show and uh I the my first year was at Gilded because I didn't I had never been to the fringe before and then I took a one woman our show for the entire month at the Gilded Blue. Yeah. There was no in between for me. That's like how I do things. Also, I had never gigged before. I'd never done a five spot or a 10 spot or a 20. I went straight for the hour, straight for the month at the biggest venue. Zero to 100. Always, the story of my life. Um, in lockdown, didn't have a garden, moved to Brighton. Like literally, that's how I do things. 
Um, and I think, and it costs, like, I've done um, Gilded for most of them, and then I've done Underbelly once, and I was meant to be at Underbelly this year again. And each show, if you're at the paid um, venue and you're doing a month, it costs about 10 grand to do. Like, it's not... Yeah. And I, I think when I... when you talk to me like I was talking to my auntie about it and she was like oh that's good so it's a good money maker then and I was like no no you you lose a lot of money and she's like yeah. but they pay you ten thousand pounds to do a show and I'm like no 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 <laughs> you, you do all the work and you pay and you may make some money but probably yeah. not but there's ways like I um I'll maybe we'll do this as a sort of separate podcast but I um like in terms of so you're you're producing and you're um how many acts do you do you take up a year um, between 10 and 20. Oh, that's a lot. Yes, oh, so too many, running. I say. <laughs> <laughs> too many. <laughs> Just too many. 20 shows going up every day for 24 yeah. days is just it's too many shows but it's fine because I love it I genuinely love it yeah I mean I Mad. I find that the, the, the hardest bit is the money is the money side yeah yeah and I think that I always feel so guilty like I work my my bum off up there but um I I, I charge as little as I possibly can mm. like I, I'm charging like maximum of probably a grand for the whole month mm. um and that's covering like my wages anybody that's working for me wages um they pay for flyers separately but some companies like it's just a flat five grand just for like organizing stuff for the acts like it just it's so offensive like how people kind of grab grab money off these acts who are already paying out so much on so many other things I think that's there's a lot of resentment from acts and I mm. include myself in that and uh, I basically formulated a system that's a very difficult system to pull off mm. um, but I, I've never put any of my own money into the fringe I've never spent a penny and I've done four shows <laughs> yeah I find this so interesting about you can you remind me what how you do this because like this is, this is the best thing that's going to come out of this, this um, discussion. you're going to have to pay a five grand for this tomorrow um, well actually I was working this year I was meant to be working with ITV 5050 the brilliant initiative oh, yeah. to get 50% of um, women in writers rooms um, and I w- and I had three people that I was mentoring but obviously bless but so one of them came to me like two weeks ago and she's like could you still can you still help me like get my and I was like babe there is no fringe you must know that by now she's like yeah but for next year and I was like honestly no <laughs> no <laughs> I'm not doing anything fringe related um oh well I'll, I'll I'll briefly cover it so it's basically every I used to work in marketing when I graduated from drama school I um was like oh god I need a job right now and I worked for a drama school in their marketing department did all their social media all that kind of stuff and then off the back of that I did a lot of work with um kind of clients big clients brands within the arts and then I basically saw uh where the money was quickly which sounds so basic but I saw how what clients and brands are looking for and I created a system I I call it the partnership proposal pack it's basically a bespoke thing for every single act whereby you market yourself as a creative agency to a brand and almost make yourself an ambassador for that year but and every single one is different so I try and do it as a sort of themed thing so like I did a show called Rent Girl which was about Generation Rent and I was sponsored by Spare Room 
Um, I was sponsored by Moneybox. It was very about money, sort of. Um, I was, did a show about dating. I was sponsored by um, My Single Friend. Um, and so each company, I will give them a mass... It's a lot of work, and it takes... Uh, yeah, it just takes a lot. Um, and then they, they will, in return, I will charge them 10 grand, basically. And I will be their ambassador. But it's I'm making it sound so simple, and it's not. It takes, no. like... Uh, you know six to eight months and I was doing this year I was doing lots of free Instagram lives on how to do it and I got several other people started to get sponsorship and actually one of the most painful things for me about lockdown was I was working with I had meetings with John Frieda and a couple of other huge brands for a 50k brand deal (gasps) Uh, because I was doing a podcast series with Spotify filming a series about it and doing a live tour and um, then, obviously, I lost that all <laughs> overnight. But do you think to to sort of start in that position, you would need to have, you know, an amount of work under your belt? Like, I know the clients that Tamara works with and the shows that she produces, y- your clients have done, like, this is not their first fringe. Yeah. It's, it's that they've done a number of other projects and so they've got kind of something to go to a brand with and say, look, here's my... I mean, po- yeah, mm, possibly. Sort of. uh, to be honest with you, in my first year, I didn't. Yeah. I think it's sort of it... But, I mean, I think that your approach would suit certainly, you know, people like you because... Um, I'm not try- trying to flatter you, but, you know, you're a very kind of um, <laughs> likeable, positive kind of person that people would want to have associated. But, like, I know sort of some some comedians who they would feel like if they had to associate <laughs> with a brand, they would, like, they're the sort of comedians that you just can't control. And they're, yes. the, they're, the, yes. they're often, they're often yes. the, they're like, some of the cleverest and funniest people. But, like, you would not want any any if I ran a business I would not associate that business with these people because they're Mm. insane (laughs) no and you make a really good point there because I at the very beginning my very first sponsor who was um Sarah Beanie's company my single friend I didn't understand things like IP and contract like stuff about contracts and I was pretty naive about it actually and I gave them loads of creative control actually I'll just tell a quick story which is I, I basically signed over. They also did PR and stuff for me, which was great. And there was one day I was walking down the street to a casting and my phone was like vibrating, loads of notifications, absolutely loads. And I was like, what the hell is going on? And I won't swear, but there was a lot of swear words that I'm admitting. And it was all, I'd only just really joined Twitter. And it was all these people being like, you swear word, swear word, something, get a job, you. And it was like all these trolls. But there was about 60, 70 people. And I was like what is going on like wh- what have I done like this is crazy oh. and basically what had happened is as part of the um sort of press push I would call it with this company we were going to do um, an element of, of crowdfunding but it was all wrapped up in this kind of entertainment idea the show was about like bad dates um a lot this is years and years ago and we were gonna <laughs> we were gonna go pro some dates um, it's slightly escorting, whatever, we won't talk about it. It's a kids' podcast. But, I'd watch that. I'd watch it. Yeah. Not the escorting, I'd watch the GoPro dating. Yeah, and it was like a, it was going to be a, a kind of an accompanying idea and whatever, but because we had a landing page on a crowdfunding site, essentially, that's how they wanted to do it. Anyway, they the company had gone to the Daily Mail 
And the Daily Mail ran a story, you can still see it, it's online, saying, <laughs> comedian single for five years asks strangers to fund her love life. Right? Then the Daily oh. Mirror picked it up. Then the Star picked it up. And they were going on my Facebook and they had all these pictures. Eventually I got in touch with the journalist and I was like, she didn't take it down, but she amended quite a lot of it. Anyway, I sold out the entire month in two days. <laughs> and I was like, okay. So... It was good, but it was also terrifying. And then I learned, keep creative control. Don't just do anything for, this, for the sake of a story or the sake of a ticket sale. So um, yeah, then I just knew that you shouldn't sell your soul, basically, <laughs> for the sake of the fringe. <laughs> not, not to the Daily Mail. Not to the Daily not. Mail. Uh, <laughs> um, I was wondering if the Daily Mail wanted to sponsor us, but I've ruined <laughs> that now. Would so. we take it? No, I don't think so. Um, no, we wouldn't. You've just told us not yeah, to. Yeah, true. Um, okay, so um, the Musical Comedy Awards, can we talk about them? Oh, yeah. Um, so um, Musical Comedy Awards is it's kind of like we try not to run it as a sort of like a horrible cutthroat kind of competition. Um, it's more of like a platform for like new talent. And I think it's really nice because, I mean, same as, I guess it's getting better now for, um, for women, but I think it's similar to sort of female comedians that a lot of the time they just like, they're, they're the token one on the bill so they never see each other and I think musical comedians found a lot that you just be like oh well we'll only oh no we've already got a musical comedian we won't book another one so it was it's been really nice kind of watching generations of musical comedians being able to like sort of network and like sort of become like friends and stuff um and yeah you do sort of like it's really nice to see some people you know, like people like Adam Kay um, and Rachel mm. Paris and Rob Beck, um, Rob Broderick from A Band Man and stuff. You sort of see them going on to, you know, be really successful in the kind of, um, you know, in other other areas of comedy as well, but still obviously having that musical side to things. Um, and also you just, um, you don't tend to get, like, bad musical comedians in, like, so I'm phrasing it wrong. Musical comedians tend to be nice, is what I'm saying. They're usually just lovely, lovely musical theatre people or lovely comedian people, and they're just they're just adorable. I should hang with them. People. I hang with the stand-ups. They yeah. are lovely. That I can I can definitely. I haven't been to the Fringe, but I have been to a lot of uh, the musical comedy yeah. shows, and it's a really lovely. Uh, so it takes place from sort of the beginning of the year, January, through uh, until the spring, and then they have mm. a show in, in Edinburgh as well, but yeah. all the, the other stuff happens in London. And it's a really nice way to spend, like, rainy, grey Saturday afternoons in January. Yeah, because yeah, we always know. hold them sort of, like, in the afternoons in the Phoenix pub off um, Oxford Circus. And so it's, like, this really nice big basement, and, like, they serve... Like, you just sort of sit there on your big chair, and they bring you food, and, like... You just like, watch loads of different musical comedians, like all kind of like massive variety of acts. Um, and yeah, and like, you my... get to vote. That's amazing. Vote. I want yeah. to go. You get to vote. You'll come with me next time. Yeah, no, when we're back. And like my dad always comes up for them. Like he lives down on the South Coast, but like he comes up to almost every one. And he just absolutely, he used to pretend that he was coming to take photos for me. <laughs> Um, and now he just doesn't bother bringing his camera. He just turns up and orders a we pie and just gets... We see you. I love that. So, um, 2021 Fringe. Yeah, is this... Is this uh, yeah. That's exactly what I was about to ask. Like, is it happening? We don't know, right? Presumably, 
yeah, it's the I, assumption that it is. Yeah, like, I mean, I've been getting emails from, like, the venues and stuff, and they're all, like, super positive. Like with, But they're all sort of saying, with the information that we have available, it will be happening. Uh, but there's also a lot of talk about it possibly being slightly scaled back. Um, and there was a slightly difficult thing of, so, like, well, like Maddie was saying earlier about how you pay a... Um, you pay kind of like an early bird deposit and stuff and the venues some some of them sort of don't ask for too much up front and some of them do um and they're doing this thing this year where if they if you let them keep a little bit of your money and um, then you can guarantee the same room and the same slot next year which is risky in the sense that um you know if it doesn't go ahead then will they still give you your money back but then if it does go ahead but it's a bit more scaled down then there's going to be less rooms available. So actually, in some ways, you're better to keep that venue because, yeah. you know, if suddenly somebody who's like a bigger famous comedian off the telly decides they want to do it next year, unless you have that guarantee of a Yeah, room, I mean, I didn't do it. Know, but also... The, place, the venue's just, do, why wouldn't they give it to somebody that was guaranteed to sell out rather than you? And do, But do you think then, so the people who will suffer ultimately are, you know, the what the the, the small like amateur groups that go up to the fringe and that you know obviously I know that's not the comedy side of it but yeah. those that you have the free fringe possibly because those are smaller rooms um you know are those the ones that are just not going to get to do it and it will just be you know like comedy shows that we know in a more normal sense well I'm, from what I've seen a bit with um things being commissioned and um you know projects happening at the moment with radio and television is that there's not that much money floating around and there's obviously things being done quite differently and so they're really it's very hard to get anything over the line without talent attached to it and by talent I mean like a sort of a name or something yeah and so I do worry that if it is scaled back venues are going to be less likely to want to take risks on smaller acts because I mean the thing with like a venue like the Pleasance which is one of the main ones they've got I don't know how many you reckon like 40 yeah. rooms yeah. 40 rooms across the two venues wow. they can they can have like 10 acts that are safe like that you put them in a big room they're going to sell out every night you're fine and that means that they can have like 10 rooms that are only 50 seaters that you're putting a debuting new comedian in and maybe that those comedians are going to make no no real money at all and it's going to be a bit of a grim month for them but because you've got the sort of it's balanced across the board whereas yeah if it is scaled back and there's less money floating around the risk is is that you know you're just going to want to sort of book in like kind of Nish Kumar and Ed Gamble and people like that like you know if they wanted to do it of course but you know sort of name name acts that you know you've got an easy easy pitch yeah. with and there's a lot of talk about crowdfunding for the the venues but actually the free fringe is made up of pubs and there's a lot of pubs that are going to go out of business. And so I yeah. think that the free fringe, I think that's something that we're not thinking about yet, but will become very obvious nearer the time of the, yeah, the venues won't be there. And, yeah. and I guess as well, it could be that a lot of bigger names who might not usually do the fringe might feel like doing it next year. If they've had sort of a year of yeah. not being able to perform, they're going to, you know people get itchy feet and people still want to to perform but but so you've said maddie you're not you're not going to um, do no, next I, year or you don't know i'm not going to do, do it i've just i i didn't was didn't feel like i was in a position i mean because i lost so i mean we all lost a lot of work but really there was that 50k hit and then an itv series in, in two days and i just went like free fall mm. panic 
And so any money that was anywhere, I was like, give it back. Um, so, yeah, and I didn't, yeah. I just didn't, I, I don't, I, this sounds very egotistical and I don't mean it like this, but I was like, look, I think I can get a venue if I do do it next year. And if I can't, it's really not the end of the world. Like, I think I, um, yeah. I think, I, yeah, I, I'm trying to, I think there's other weird people, comedians are, are sort of realising that there's m- money to be made elsewhere in new ways. Like, Next Up Comedy, which is an online streaming platform yeah. um, uh, for, for specials, basically. But they're all, they, they have been incredible to comedians over lockdown. Yeah. They've been giving grant after grant after grant. And they were so quick yeah. with it as well, because there's been some other organisations. But, like, yeah, they, they were just they straight were away, like, with their campaign of Heckle exactly. the Virus. And they... And it was really nice as well to see some of the sort of like big TV names yeah. donating money in and then comedians knew, knew were just being given like £500 to cover their rent. That's, like sort I mean, of three straight times away, they it was me. wonderful. Like, three times and I made yeah. really good friends with Emily who works there. Like they're just, because because we all, I mean there was a point literally at the beginning where I was like, I'm gonna, I, I can't, and I was in a private, I had a private landlord and she was like, yeah, no, you're paying your rent. And there was no question yeah. of like any less money, and I, I mean, luckily, um, I'm with Anna Fiorentini, and really took me under their wig, <laughs> so I was like, actually happy, happy to hear help the comedy <laughs> world as well as the the young people. Um, so, so yeah, next year I think you're right. I think it is going to be if it happens. I think it's going to be a very strange. Like I don't know. For example, there was chat this year when everyone was like, "Oh, will it go on? Won't it go on?" And then everyone, like on Twitter, was just sort of saying, like, atting at Ed Fringe, being like, "Just cancel it!" Like, what are you doing? Because there was <laughs> yeah. a, a significant amount of time when they were like, "Guys, never say never," and we were like, "Never! It's not going to happen." <laughs> <laughs> but I and thought... has the sorry? Uh, I was just interested with the funding that has the grant mm. schemes that have been offered by the government. Um, for the arts uh, from this sort of arts and culture team uh, is that useful to the, has the comedy circuit been included in that or excluded i i don't know we've had to fight for it like um there's been a a um like a union set up who have really fought because technically comedy doesn't fall as an art form um it just doesn't wow. they they were just ignoring it um Oh, God, there was one thing which really annoys me. This is all about sort of fake news and misrepresentation. And it was the BBC, who I usually really like, that they did this piece where they were interviewing comedians about like sort of going online and all the problems and stuff. And all these comedians were being very honest and it was really sad. And then at the end, they'd clearly just asked them and then edited it out. Um, so were there any, any good sides? Is there anything at all that you've taken from this? So then the last section of the show was them just saying, oh yeah, no, you know, I've got, I'm, it's nice that I don't have to commute and things like that. And so it sounds like everything's fine. And then they put a sign, they put like a written thing across the screen saying this, this sector has just been given £1.2 billion bailout. And it was like, this sector has not been given that. Like comedy, I would say, is going to get like, like 5%, if anything, of that. Wow. It's not, wow. it's nothing. It, it's a small, small slice of it. Do you think that's because the, the sort of money-making part of the, the industry is smaller? So the money-making part is those household names and, mm. and we're not thinking about those comedians who are out 
like gigging every night in small venues across the country. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, but also people forget that we need money because we're quite self-sufficient as an industry. Like things like, um, you know, sort of theatre or film, there's so many sort of overheads and stuff like that, whereas like comedy can just happen so much more easily. And and yeah, we don't really get any Arts Council funding. Like we make most of our money from ticket sales and from people working for free or working for very low amounts of money. And, you know, it just sort of, in under usual circumstances, we just keep our heads above water without asking for help. And now it's sort of hit a bit where it's just like, well, no, we actually, we can't, we can't do do this. We can't be DIY anymore. We do need something, some sort of assistance because without these small venues and people being able to earn a living from doing the circuit, you're not going to get your sort of like, people that you see on Mock the Week or Live at the Apollo. Most of those people have been doing the circuit for like 10, 15 years. And so yeah. without that, the standard of people that you're getting on telly are going to like plummet. Like people, you're going to get some real rubbish to watch is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think you've got about another three years left of people that are like, will be ready to entertain you. And after that, no, no more comedy guys, yeah. sorry. Yeah, it's been, it, we've definitely been massively overlooked in this period um so as a kind of i mean that i I see that the fringe are putting on a lot of online content um you know i actually haven't looked at it myself i think um there was a lot i mean i've done some live stand-up gigs on zoom they're horrendous i hate them and i won't be doing them again (laughs) they were horrible it was like one of the worst experiences i did one to um just over 300 people it was awful because you they worked out obviously that people can't have their mics on because of background noise and it's just you yeah. know chaos so you're effectively just doing a gig to your phone with and i i found it i found yeah. like okay do it on your phone because then if you stand far enough away back you can't see because when I, I did it on my computer for the first one and all you see is obviously like what actually happened to me a minute ago people's connection goes in and out or whatever so you can just see this person leaves this person joins this person leaves and it was like mm. I remember doing Latitude I remember doing main stage Latitude Festival and I was I did an hour and I was coming to the end of my set it was one of the hardest gigs I've ever done in my life I was in the cabaret main stage so not main comedy and um there was, a, I don't know which, a band, a big band that came on about 45 minutes into my set and literally <laughs> a three quarters of the audience were like, oh, it's now, and just went. And I was like, <laughs> and I, I didn't know that at the time. And I, so it makes you like massively self-conscious. And at the end, everyone, the people who were there were like, yeah. no, no, it's great. It's just, you know, like whoever is playing on the main stage. And I was like, okay. <laughs> oh, my, It's not that- about you. That was um, that really reminds me of something that happened. It was like my one of my first like full Edinburghs. I was like teching the show, and uh, the venue had sent in the audience. And it was like a Saturday. It was like f- sold out. So it's like a hundred people in this room. It was great. And like I was like my client was quite a new stand up, and I was just like, it's brilliant. Like it's all full. Um, it was actually it was um, oh, Glenn yeah. Moore who is now uh, done all the sort of the mock the week and stuff. Now. Glenn is the loveliest man in the world and he walks out on stage and 50% of the audience just walked out of the room and he had to do an hour show thinking 
what's wrong with my face? And it turns out that the venue had just made this massive mistake and they'd sent Heming Venn's audience into his room. And at the time, like, Heming Venn was, like, really, like, massively popular and stuff. And people... People had gone specifically to see him. And so Glenn walks on. He's an unknown comedian. They didn't stick around long enough to see that he's like the best like pun and joke writer in the world. It's just like, oh, that's not the guy off the telly. Bye. Oh, God. Oh, wow. It's horrible watching that. Horrible. I've had so, there's some nightmare ones. I, mean, I remember my first... Uh, and it's not... Actually, I, it, I said it was my first show. My, my very, very, very first show actually was at The Space because... Was it or was it the Gilded? I can't remember. It was so many years ago. Anyway, I have never been very good with numbers. <laughs> and I had a tech and, and she was like producing as well. And she um, was like, look, I'll handle all the ticket sales and stuff. It's fine. And I think for my first night, and it was a smaller-ish venue. I think it was about 40 or something. She was like, look, it's really yeah. good. You've got 36 people in. I think you'll sell out. Like, And I was like, oh, great. Oh, okay. Oh, this is... This is really this is fine, and um and she was like yeah just check on your on the um the ends whatever the app thing to see the numbers and I checked and I was like yeah there is oh amazing okay, <laughs> I went out and I went out on stage, and I could hear like her at the back like coughing and she was like um, Maddie, Maddie and I was like yeah just let people in and she was like no one's here, and I was like what and she's like. No one's here. And I was, like, I was like, what do you mean no one's here? And literally, I just looked at the wrong day. It was the day after. So I had, because I, so oh. I hadn't flied, I hadn't worked, I hadn't done anything. But that, and no. honestly, as a, I'm like, that she was going, oh, this is the kind of thing you say on Graham Norton's couch. And I was like, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think every single comedian must have a story like that. Yeah, completely. They just must do. And also, every person's ever had to check the sales on an Edinburgh show must have the same feeling as you, yeah. Maddie, because that is the worst system. It's so hard work. And it was, it's really and hard I, to you, see. I have to like, run like 20 reports a day. Exactly. It's just like horrible. But you have to keep running the reports. And then horrible obviously everyone's pretty much doing it on their phone because you're walking like miles and miles yeah. and miles each day. You're trying to like fly. You're trying to organise this. You're trying to do your show. So you keep running the report thing on your phone. It's so difficult to see. Oh God! Thank God yeah. it's not on. Right. Um. So. <laughs> yeah. But I do think that if, I would. I would like to make a plea to all comedians. If we obviously hope that twenty twenty one happens and you can all be there, do not do all your shows about coronavirus. Oh God! Gotcha. We've had enough. Do something. Do whatever you were going to do this year. Yeah. Because that definitely won't have been about coronavirus. So please do that, and I will come. And I will try and watch all of them, but is, this is not if they're about Corona. That is a promise. <laughs> You've got it recorded, but not if it's about Corona. No, I'm not. I'm going to do. I'm doing the same. I don't want to hear it. I loved my show. Great. Yeah. yeah. Then I will come. I was doing a show on the on the no, night it, on lockdown yeah. got announced. I was at the Bread and Roses and doing oh, really? a show, and it was weird. I was doing um, my show was called How to Train Your Psychopath, mm. all about psychopaths, surprisingly. And everyone was like, and I was like, so good. <laughs> the virus, uh, also known as the psychopath. Oh, this is, it was just so. they <laughs> <laughs> like, already we're like, yeah. no, we don't want to hear it. Don't want to hear it. You said yeah. the word, you said the V word. You have, because no. you're like, I have to address yeah. it. But then, yeah. Um, right. Yeah, there will be a lot of like Corona Cabaret. There'll be loads. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. My, like, my lockdown oh, life. Yeah, yeah well, love in the time of Corona. Oh, yeah. I think there that's we go. Be a popular. Yeah. Listen, title. we've said all the titles now, so there's absolutely no point yeah. anyone trying to write one because 
you know we've already done it so move on yeah no i think that is um because that's i've watched a few of these um zoom like gigs and stuff maddie and like i felt very much i mean i didn't even have, i didn't have to perform but i felt the same as you where it just felt quite weird and uncomfortable and i kept on saying oh, i'll start running them soon and i was just like oh, i just never got around to it no. but they again it's quite like you just end up hearing them talking about their experience in lockdown and it's just um yeah. just felt you feel a bit like i want escapism from comedy i want somebody else's life i don't want somebody just talking about like being in their house yeah i did i'm i just yeah. did all my material about psychopaths again because i was like i'm not writing new stuff for i got booked for one and then there's a, a thing now running i think it's called the new normal festival and they're like yeah we're gonna do lockdown stories and i'm like yeah no i'm not i will not be partaking <laughs> 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 um, been doing the yeah, same thing every yeah, day. Same. Um, thank you so much for coming on, Tamara. This has been great. Thank you, Tamara. Thank you for having me. It's been very nice to just chat chat about the fringe, which is really joyous. As happy as we are that it's not happening. <laughs> it is, and I think as a punter, it's amazing. And actually, you know, as a performer, I've had some of the best times of my life up there. I have to say. Um, yeah. And those days that you, those nights that you do a show, and it just like everything is. You know, it doesn't necessarily need to be slick, but it just works. And then you meet incredible people that you would never meet before. And yeah. you're like hammered at 3 a.m. watching someone do trapezing dressed as like Santa. And you're like, this is great. <laughs> yeah, where else? Where else? Where else? Exactly. But... Um, if you have a burning question to ask about the world of acting or agenting, or you want to um, find us on the socials, you can find us um, at The Prime Actor on Instagram or um, the Anna Fiorentini school account is at AF school and use the hashtag the prime actor we're going to finish each week with a quote to motivate inspire or just make you laugh today's we thought it fitting to choose one of last year's dave's funniest one-liners and it's from comedian and one-liner award winner adele cliff i accidentally booked myself onto an escapology course I'm really struggling to get out that of it. Really, I appreciate it. It was really good. I was Thank going you. through them really quickly to find the best one-liner that we could use. And a lot of them were just not suitable. So that's what I came up with. Well, I mean, I feel like a one-liner is really below my level. So um, thanks. Yeah. Thanks, I Adele. Joke, joke of the fringe one. It was, there's a lot of benefits to having kids. No, really you can get a lot of benefits anyway thanks for listening <laughs> <laughs> if you want to learn more about the Anna Fiorentini Theatre and Film School then you can head to their website annafiorentini.com thanks for listening bye bye, bye. bye. bye.